even the fantasy hipsters know. bunch of name brand players from Dad. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 23 of the Fantasy Hipsters podcast. You're listening to Matt Franchise. My buddy Matt Harmon is actually not across the table from me right now for the first time in podcast history, but he's across the country on the East Coast. Harmon, what's going on over there, buddy? Hey, yeah, three hours ahead of you here. It's three o'clock here. I can't, uh, you know, I'm from the East Coast. We actually, we both are originally from the East Coast, so maybe you can back me up on this. But I forgot how inefficient this side of the country was with their time zones. I can't believe, like, when, like, 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. hits or whatever, I'm like, day's almost over. Day's basically, it's over. What are are we doing here? it's, It's just... I've got so little time. I feel like time is just constantly slipping away from me while I see on Twitter that people from the West Coast are still hitting their prime or whatever. People I'm talking to back on the West Coast are, you know, just hitting their prime. It's 7 o'clock out there. It's 10 o'clock out here. Can't deal with it. I hate it. I need to be back on my coast. Right. right. But see, the thing I always find tough to deal with is when on Friday afternoon, when all of us just on the West Coast want to leave work or get to the bar to have a beer, everyone on the East Coast is already drunk because they've been drinking for four hours, you know? I guess that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I would counter that with this, though. You know, in the words of the great ph- philosopher um, uh, Kesha, "Party don't start till I walk in. Uh, party don't start till we get off work." Is essentially what I would what I would counter with there. So. Oh, you just quoted Kesha on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> One of the one of the more explicit stories in fantasy stronghold history oh, is that it has to do with Kesha. No. That we're not we will not tell that on this podcast, but um, oh, it's the same thing. People were kind of somebody said, yeah, you know, West Coast is fine, but I feel like you wake up like three hours after the news or like three you're three hours late. Things have already happened. I'm basically just the same thing. Hey, day doesn't start till I get rolling. Nothing That's important right. happens before I wake up. That's None right. of that stuff's important. Yo, but let's get let's get to the stuff that is important. So you put this photo on Instagram. Uh, why don't you tell the people what's going on here? Well, before we do that, speaking of Instagram, why don't we tell people about our sponsor that they can follow on Instagram there before we before yes. we get into the into the podcast? Which, of course, it's Two Champs Grooming. You guys know them. You love them. Uh, they're vintage inspired handmade grooming products for the modern day man. You go to dochamps.co and you can see that they have an outrageously fantastic wide array of grooming products for you to get looking right. Uh, whether it's hair wax, beard balm, beard oil, they've got everything that you could possibly need to look good, to feel good. And to basically to, to then post pictures of yourself on Instagram and show your friends just how much better looking you are than them yo and we got father's day coming up this weekend like what a great idea for a gift they have these man kits and beard balm and beard oil combos and mustache kits you can really hook your dad up uh for you know it's not gonna not gonna put a dent in your wallet especially because listeners of our podcast have a 15 percent off promo code if you go to do chance do champs and type in hipsters pod as a promo code on your order, you get 15% off. Hook your dad up with some stuff to help him look better, you know? 
See, the hipsters are going to hook you up, and you're going to hook your dad up. Like, if you've got a bearded dad or a dad that makes a makes a nice head of hair there, you go there and you get him some good-looking stuff so that uh, you can have the best-looking dad on the planet. Well, second best-looking dad on the planet after my dad. Oh, but oh. maybe a little biased. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's get to, uh, I mean, you're, you're out there on the East Coast. You're hanging out. You're kicking back. What's going on here on Instagram, bro? Right. So this week, uh, this part of the trip, this weekend, and then I'm still here right now, I've been spending at my dad's beach house down in Emerald Isle, North Carolina, uh, where he is living the life. You know, he's retired. Uh, he's down here just just crushing crushing his existence. So we're down here at the beach. My, uh, my, two, of my two of my three sisters and uh, my older sister, Kim, her family, uh, my nephew and my brother-in-law were down here for the weekend, um, and we, you know, we're at the beach a lot. And we did a, we actually did a little kayaking trip, my sister, my brother-in-law, and I. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I, I burn pretty easily. I'll be honest about that. Um, despite living out in your frail, your frail skin. Yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got some weak skin. Okay, I'll be honest about it. And you know, I don't want to, I don't want to burn too bad, so. I decided I needed to, I did not bring a hat with me on the trip. You know, I got limited packing space. So we're out at the store because uh, I also needed to get a new bathing suit. And I see this hat, uh, kind of a wide, I don't really know how to completely describe it very well. But if you go to Instagram, Matt Harmon underscore BYB, you can check out the pictures. It's like a wide brim, sort of like a safari guy looking hat. Uh, and so I wanted to know because, so I bought it and my sister was just disgusted at the fact that I was going to buy this at my younger sister, uh, Emily, who you actually have heard on the fantasy live podcast before. She's a, she's a real, uh, smart ass. Uh, she's basically me, but a girl. And yeah. so if you can kind of get that uh, mental, mental picture going on, uh, base or so she was giving me a hard time about it. Uh, I, I took a lot of, it took a little bit of flack from the fam for, for it, but, um, I I was lo- I was loving it and look my my philosophy is you can pull off anything as long as you rock it and you own it and that's what I was doing with this hat and I thought it looked badass but got a little bit of mixed response from the family so I wanted to put it out to the people and I wanted to get your opinion on it do you think I pulled off this hat or not me do I yes, think you do you think uh, so you I'll go to you first and then we'll hear the response from the people. <sighs> I don't know, man. I was a little shocked when I first saw the image. Uh, it's just, you know, I know you. You're my pal. I just, I don't think it's you. So in that aspect, I don't know if you pulled it off. It's kind of, it's kind of controversial on my end here. I understand the practicality of it to keep the sun out of your face and you're trying something new and you got the strap in case there's a wind gust so it doesn't blow off your head. Uh, but you look like, uh, the, uh, the crocodile hunter or something in, in a, in a damn wetsuit out here. What's going on? Sure. Well, the wetsuit was cause we, <laughs> that was during, that was during the kayaking trip. And I, again, I was not going to sit out there for like three hours kayaking my ass off and then also getting burnt. Uh, so that was the reason for that. Uh, that was why I was wearing the wetsuit. Um, also hugs the skin. Well, uh, whatever, but anyways, oh, yeah, you, looked so, ripped. you looked ripped in this one photo though. I appreciate that. You know, I'm so, even though I'm on vacation, I'm still down here hitting the gym. My dad and I have been at the gym the last two days throwing weights around. But anyways, thumbs out, guns out, thumbs out, guns out, baby. <laughs> anyways. So, yeah. So I, I think, look, 
I agree with you. It's definitely not something I would normally wear. Um, yeah. But I'm all about trying to push yourself when it comes to fashion and trying new things. And again, just put yourself out there and seeing what works. Um, so let's get into some of the responses from uh, th- from the people. All right. Uh, on Here's what some people on Instagram said. Our friend Adrian Charlie, who writes the show a lot, he said, you rocked it, dude. Anyone else who says otherwise doesn't understand fashion. I like that. Uh Allie Levis, who is actually my cousin, she said, if you're going for the Cam Newton look, I would say yes. Um, That's not the first time uh, somebody inferred Cam Newton in this discussion. Uh, Someone also texted me, you're not Cam Newton, that you do not pull off that hat, uh, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, Keep It Locked said, crushed it. Where's it from, by the way? Uh, It's from some random store down here. Uh, My college roommate (laughs) replied, God, no. Also, is Tribal Surf the name of your new podcast? Oh, um, <laughs> roasted. Got roasted on that one. TMK483 said, love it. We like that. Uh, 2QB is uh, run by Sal Stefanelli. You know, it's a two-quarterback site. Hat, yes. Footwear, no. And just for uh, just for clarity's sake, the footwear, I had to wear some water shoes because, look, it gets, it gets slippery around the area where we have to launch the kayaks from. So get off my back on that one. That was pr- purely practical. Uh, and lastly, my sister, quoting my nephew here, according to Nathan, you pull off every look. And look, I think my nephew's right on this one, and I'm going to go with his opinion. Uh, uh, when you when you got to take the opinion of a nine year old, you got when you can, you got to do it. I've noticed he's your. Uh, I'm assuming the the kid you've been Instagramming is your nephew, the kid with the glasses there, who got his breakfast eaten by the dog. But uh, correct, correct. He he's like your sub in for Charlie because you're away from Charlie. So like this kid is like your your Charlie. I know, and now he's gone, so I've got nothing. I've got <laughs> oh, nothing man, again. what are you going to do, man? <laughs> I but know, I always, I always need a little buddy around, you know, play things off with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but look, if I'm giving you a ranking out of, out of 10 here, I'd give you like a 6 on the hat. I don't know, it just doesn't matter now. All right, well, look, it's probably not going to become like a regular part of my fashion rotation, but it was, for practical purposes, was very useful. Did not get sun, did not get sunburned on the face the entire beach uh, ex- excursion or any of the kayaking trips, so it felt worked. pretty good about that. It so worked. it worked, yeah. Whether it looked ridiculous or not, and perhaps some some people are saying that it did, uh, but I, I think for practical purposes, it all worked out for the best. Yo, can I just bring up one more thing in regards to you uh, being out in the wild for a couple days here? Did you sure. did you see this video on Twitter of like this a art exhibit in the Swiss Alps that's like a bed in the middle of the mountains and the guy that looks exactly like you? Oh, yes, I have. A few people have tweeted that to me um michael oh, fabiano was one of them fabs yes. tweeted at me yes uh i had to bring Ari. it up. yeah i get it i'm the guy that one normally people send me stuff on twitter and they're like oh this is you and it looks yeah. nothing like me yeah. like okay not every dorky looking guy with glasses looks like me right uh even yeah so that's just let's get that straight but this one did this one pretty this good this guy definitely did look like me he looks like your twin dude it's insane whatever he's like taking like a beautiful girl up to some swiss alps like getaway all right yeah. i'm cool with that I'm t- i'll take that comparison yeah they're like drinking wine in bed and like i don't know it's some like art exhibit that's like a, a hotel room in the mountains but just google like swiss hotel with no walls and you'll see the video and the guy looks just like Harmon. It's crazy. All right. 
Well, speaking right. of things that have been going around Twitter, today we saw something pretty interesting pop up on the timeline. Uh, our colleague at NFL.com, Dan Hansis, who run, does a great job running the End Around blog, kind of like a satirical look at football. Uh, I always enjoy reading his his stuff. He posted a picture of Ben McAdoo's new hair look, new hairdo. Oh, McAdoo got got uh, c- cleans up well. He cleans up well. I, I gotta say. Yeah, uh, look, he doesn't look like a total dork anymore. Those guys on the around the NFL podcast last year basically took to calling him like the NFL's most goober coach. Yeah, and he doesn't. He no longer looks like that. I mean, he's his hair kind of looks like yours. It's like slicked back. Yes, um, pretty good. Short on the sides, slicked back on top. Looks like he's got some product. We don't know if the product is do champs or not, but it should be. It should be. Yo, it- Ben McAdoo, if you're listening to this and yes. you're not using do champs. Hit us up. We have a 15% off promo code even for you, buddy. That's right. But see, now my issue is during games when he has to wear the headset, this look isn't going to work, man. It's just not going to work. It's not going to stay. Well, but you wear like during our – when we take the NFL Fantasy Podcast or on the Damshek show, you wear the headset. So how did – I mean, you, you could probably yeah. give him some tips. But it's always a problem, and then I'm left with like a little dent in my hair at the top from the headset going over, you know? You got to – Yeah, but it – it's not that bad. And plus, I mean, you're short, so like people can see the top of your head, but McAdoo's a pretty tall guy, so I think. Mm. He looks tall. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't mean for that. To, I didn't mean for that to happen. That was unintended consequences. I am short. I'm a short person. I don't I just don't know if McAdoo's a huge guy. Not like it matters, but give the guy credit for trying, you know. Well, do we think this will have any sort of uh, tangible effect on the Giants' uh, outlook for uh for this year? I mean, I mean, yo, it's minicamp, so the sky's the limit for everyone, so you never know. Yeah, you've been harping on that lately, huh? About uh, so, I saw you tweet about that. so annoying to see blurb after blurb say, X, X player is a game changer in this offense. Uh, X player, sky's the limit. Like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Not yeah, every, this is the, se- the season of optimism. Not every sure. team is going to make the playoffs. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm looking for Ben McAdoo's height, but I can't, uh, I can't find it anywhere. So it's disappointing. Well, he needs, he needs a tailor now. Remember the thing with his big ass suit? That's true. He had the big suit and his walkie talkie. I'm all the pictures I'm finding of him right now. He's got his (laughs) stupid walkie talkie. Yes. Yes. Oh man. All right. You want to get into some news? You want to, uh, Yeah. Oh, well, but for before we get into some news, right? Before we get into the news, we have a new sponsor. New sponsor alert, people! And listen, you're gonna want to tune into this one uh, because this is somewhat. This is something I'm excited about. So this is the new sponsor alert. New startup company. It's Marciante and Company. So these guys. Listen, we're really, like I said, really excited about this. It's a new quality shoe brand promising to revolutionize the industry. Their genuine leather shoes, boots, and accessories are made from top leather and are carefully crafted crafted to last a, life, a lifetime. The best part, it's not going to cost you half your paycheck because by selling directly to you online and cutting out the middleman, Marciante and company is able to slash the retail prices and pass those savings on to you. Look, you and I got a a little sneak peek at at the shoes they're going to be coming out with here soon, yeah. and they were pretty fire, right? Am I yo, right? Yo, the styles were on point. I loved everything they had to offer. 
It's totally, it's, it's, these guys are going to change the game and you're getting on to this first, you know, talk about fantasy hipsters podcast because they haven't even launched their first line yet. It's going to be launching in July. So what we want you guys to do as listeners to the fantasy hipsters podcast, we want you to follow them on social media at Marciante and company. And you spell that M A R C I A N T E C and the, the word and co so follow them on social media check out their website marciante and co.com uh and yeah it's 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 awesome these guys are really exciting uh and we're happy to be on board with them first sponsor for them f- uh, here on the fantasy hipsters podcast check these guys out follow them on social media check out their website and get ready for their first line in july which of course we'll be telling you more about as it comes up yeah, it's great. They're just—it's basically high-end products that—that's not going to break the bank. Is their whole their whole uh, platform there? So look into it. Go follow them on socials. Check out their styles and let us know what you think. Totally, yeah. Definitely let us know what you think. You can tweet at Fantasy Hipsters and at Marciante and Company and let us know yeah. what you think of the shoes. We're getting a pair uh, sent to us. I think probably it'll be they'll be here next week, so we'll be talking about that on the podcast. We're pretty excited about it because uh, right. these things look top notch and uh you know we're all about looking good here on the podcast but all right let's get into the news we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week uh we're basically just going to run through some obviously we got two big news items off the top but also just some mini cam notes that we want to hit on here real quick correct so uh yeah first thing like let's go with the biggest news of the week obviously jeremy macklin wide receiver signed with the baltimore ravens Uh, So he's going to get plugged into that offense. We already know it's a high-volume passing offense there in Baltimore. Uh, I mean, Harmon, you're the wide receiver guy. Do you think Macklin is going to suck up targets from Brashad Perriman and Mike Wallace? How do you think that might play out there? Yeah, this this was a good signing to me. I kind of think I would have preferred Eric Decker to – to Jeremy Macklin with the Ravens. Although, by the way, we'll talk about Decker next. There's yeah. there are some rumblings that even though the Ravens signed Jeremy Macklin, they still might be in on Eric Decker. Uh, I know Matt Miller of Bleacher Report said that he heard a source tell him that. Uh, so that's still you know that's that's a possibility that they both these guys might land there. But for now, just with Macklin there. Um, I think he's the best receiver on the roster. I think he's better than than Mike Wallace. I think wow. they're you know, pretty comparable players. Well, I mean. I think they're similar. They're both vertical threats. Uh, I think he immediately removes Brashad Perryman from the equation who, you know, Evan Silva, when he was on our show, talked that, about that it was hard to find any, like, optimistic metrics or optimistic film on Perryman from right. his first year playing. And that's kind of to be expected. You know, he, he missed it all of his rookie season with an injury, and then last year was just kind of getting his feet under him. Um, but the Ravens signed Macklin to a two-year, uh, $11 million contract. Uh, you know, it was his final decision came down to uh, Baltimore and Philadelphia, according to ESPN's Josina Anderson, after um, Buffalo kind of, I guess, got out of the mix or maybe just got outpriced. So that's a, that's a pretty modest contract. And so my, 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 my situation with Macklin here, you know, his reception perception last year, we, we talked about this on the, on the previous podcast that it was just kind of like, it was just kind of bleh, but his vertical scores are really good. Uh, so I do think he fits in well with you know an offense that does want to hit downfield throws. But Macklin has kind of always had a pretty blah reception perception. Even in his big 
uh, year with the Eagles, some of his games were were quite poor in terms of separating on a route to route basis. And I think that just kind of goes to the point that, like, I don't think this is a, a signing that like he is a transformative number one receiver that is instantly going to elevate this passing game to new heights. Right. Um, even though I do think he can improve their their deep passing game. Uh, so I saw a couple of projections going around from uh, Mike Clay and uh, JJ Zacharyson, who are both r- really, really good projection guys in the industry. Yes. Uh, and, and they kind of had Macklin at like 113 targets with maybe 900 to 900 yards and, and like three to four touchdowns. And that feels about right to me. What about you? Uh, I just think sometimes people overhype like the new guy in the offense. I think Wallace and Perriman kind of have an upper hand because they know the offense and Macklin is coming in like at the beginning of mini mini camp, which gives him time to learn what's going on. But uh, I think people overlook the fact of uh, like, you know, chemistry between wide receiver and quarterback, which Wallace and Perriman have been working with Flacco. So I think they have the upper hand in that respect. And I also think the, Ravens just they just needed some depth in terms of their pass catchers, right? They right. lost Kamar Aiken. He went to the Colts. Uh, uh, Dennis Pitta, we just found out last week that he has another hip injury and his career might be over. They and Steve Smith Sr. We know he's retired now. Like they just needed bodies, and I think maybe this turns into some kind of competition for the wide receiver two spot in that offense between Macklin, uh, Wallace, and Perriman. Um, in terms of projections, uh, I don't know. That's hard to that's hard to ping right now. Um, but he's going. His ADP is he's like wide receiver forty nine right now, uh, according to Fantasy Pros, um, mm-hmm. and one twenty seven overall. So that's like what thirteenth round he's going. Yeah, that's and really fair to me. That's pretty fair. Perriman is a couple rounds later, and I think Wallace is just a couple rounds earlier. So maybe the news of the Macklin signing hasn't kicked into all these ADP results just yet. Cause it's only been a couple days. Uh, but I think people don't really know what's going to happen here with this, with this receiving core and their ADP is kind of showing that with the late round, late round asking price for all three of these guys. Do you like Macklin better now in Baltimore than you did in Kansas city? I think I definitely do. Yes. Uh, because yeah, we know Kansas here. Kansas City's conservative. Alex Smith isn't known to take chances. I mean, Flacco, Flacco loves throwing the deep ball. So uh, I can see a situation where Macklin is a better week-to-week, maybe more uh, consistent option than Mike Wallace. Like, Mike Wallace finished last year at a good spot, but consistent, like, week-to-week, he wasn't a guy you could rely on. Um, so maybe Macklin becomes that guy. I don't know. I think it's going to be uh, fun to watch in training camp and see what the what Macklin looks like. Uh, maybe Kansas City didn't think he. Maybe they thought he lost a step. Um, so that's why they they decided yeah. to part ways. The Baltimore Sun actually said that reportedly the Chiefs were concerned that Macklin had lost a step right. before they released him. Right. And I mean that does make sense because. I think a lot of it had to do with his salary cap this year, which was high. Uh, but Macklin is always hurt too. And yeah, he was you know, hurt he, a lot of last year. 
He was hurt a lot last year. He missed a game in 2015. It, 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 he's rarely, he rarely plays 16 games, and he's also had an ACL injury before that, that cost him a season. So, yeah, Macklin is, is definitely prone to get injured, and like I said, his reception perception last year wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, but he's also he's also just – the Chiefs offense is specifically asked to just run digs, curls, and slants. I mean, if you look at his route percentage chart in the ultimate draft kit, purchase that at receptionperception.com, uh, <laughs> you can see that those routes that are highlighted green that he runs a lot are also the ones that he's not the most successful on and which a lot of those are the deep out or the the just the straight go route and uh that, so i do think we could see him used on those a lot more in baltimore so I, I think it's a pretty good fit overall from like a real life perspective but for fantasy it doesn't really move the needle for me um yeah. as much as it seemed to for for other people uh, i do think this takes a little bit of shine off mike wallace potentially having like a dominant target hog season because yes i really kind of think this could be a and again if this is if they don't sign eric decker but this could be a real 1a 1b situation i think with macklin and uh wallace because i don't think either one of them is like a true number one receiver yeah and they're both getting up there in age too so it's true i think macklin just turned 29 in in may and i think wallace is right around that 30 range too off the top of my head i don't remember but so uh i guess next next bit of news is is eric decker as you mentioned adam Schefter reported yesterday that they uh they're, the Jets were, you know, unable to really find a, a trade partner, which doesn't surprise me because anytime you say like we're going to release or cut a guy, that normally means he's going to end up getting cut because people aren't really going to call your bluff and take on a big contract. Yeah, people do that in fantasy leagues to me all the time. Like if you know your fantasy league and a, a guy, you know, like your buddy's trying to trade you the two worst players on his roster, it's like, bro, I know you're just going to cut them. I'm not going to let you trade them to me. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the Jets saved uh, $7.25 million in cap space. Oh. Um, the Jets are going to be so awful this year. Oh, my God. Well, it's, hey, Needle moves up for Quincy Anunwa, though. That's true. Yeah, I mean, Anunwa is kind of like a lock to get 120 targets at this point. Other yeah. guys like our Darius Stewart will be interesting because he could, he could be the, 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 the starter alongside of him. Yeah. Um, oh, God, that's it, so gross. Hey, do you think – just to, not to change subjects, but we'll yeah. get back to Decker. But do you think Matt Forte is like the next one to fall? Um, I think they hosted Denard Robinson uh, as for a visit this at, like th- this week too. So, do you think Forte could get released too? Because like, what's the what's the point of having Matt Forte on the roster at this point? I mean, it's a good point, but I feel like running backs are, you know, you can't get a guy with Matt Forte's experience and talent just like off the waiver wire in the NFL. I think they I think they hold on to him. His career. Might be coming to an end soon, but I don't think it's this season. I think they just hold on to him and see what happens. Yeah, I could. I just could see it because obviously, I mean, look, we obviously know they're completely tanking. Like, why would, uh, why would, why would they want to keep a, an older running back there? Why would, more importantly, why would he want to play there? And also, I think Bilal. I think you could really make the argument pretty easily that Bilal Powell, Bilal Powell is a better player than Matt Forte at this, like, right in this moment in time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just would I would just be on the be on the lookout for that to potentially happen in the next couple of weeks um, or, or whatever. But 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 back to Decker. Uh, the only thing we know about right now, teams that are interested or not in him, uh, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo said that he highly doubts the Eagles will will pursue Eric Decker, which doesn't surprise me. I think the you know that. Garofalo or Mike Garofalo said that uh, Philly's comfortable with the receiver core as is. And I, I kind of get that. I know they were awful last year, but look, they just made a big addition in Alshon Jeffrey. They brought in Torrey Smith for some speed. And 
Eric Decker and Jordan Matthews kind of play the same position. Uh, so I, I, I'm, that doesn't surprise me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I think wherever Decker lands, he's going to be a value in fantasy just because he missed a bunch of last season and people are kind of, it's kind of a question mark as, as to what his role will be wherever he lands. But I think he's going to be, we know he, the dude can score touchdowns. So just keep an eye on him. Like later in drafts, you might be able to get a steal there. What are you, um, where, where is a kind of a spot that you have in mind that you would like to, to see Decker? Let's look, let's hold on one sec. Let me look up his ADP. He's a uh, wide receiver, 36, uh, 89th overall. So like end of the ninth round in a 10 team league, he's going, I think that's yeah. pretty, I think that's pretty good value. Yeah. I almost like don't care where he goes. I yeah. think that that's a really fair, um, a, a really fair asking price, you know, for, for, for Decker. I think no matter, no matter what, like I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, yeah, I'll take him there all day. Yeah, so some of the top teams in cap space right now mm-hmm. uh, are the 49ers and Browns, Jaguars, Tennessee Titans, Houston Texans, Oakland Raiders, the Jets, obviously, uh, the Bears, the Bucks, and the Colts are all top 10 in cap space right now. Um, any of those teams kind of stand? Because, I mean, we can obviously talk about, like, the Ravens, I think, would be a great fit. Um they have seven million in cap space right now. That I still, th- I still would like Decker a lot on the Ravens. I, I, like I said, I think I would, e- e- with all of them there, I think he would be the Ravens receiver that I would want the most. Yeah. Um. So in terms of in terms of cap space, I, I, the Texans are are kind of interesting. Dude, I was um, gonna, I was gonna say the Texans. I'm looking at their depth chart right now. I think. He, yeah. He, I think. Uh, I mean, in terms of like what they need and fit, I think he fits there. In terms of what they like to do on offense i'm not really sure but i think he would fit well as like a big slot receiver because they have deandre hopkins who does most of his work downfield and outside the numbers will fuller's a speed guy you know they they got a lot of production out of cj fedorowicz last year at tight end but i think that was mostly just because brock osweiler couldn't literally couldn't make or did not want to try any other throws yeah um but decker can kind of play almost like a tight end, you know, n- near the line of scrimmage inside and do some of those short in-breaking routes that I think would be really productive for for Deshaun Watson or, or Tom Savage, whoever starting there. The Raiders are kind of interesting, even though they have Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Like, they're, they're, their big slot receiver is, like, Seth Roberts. And, yes. you know, give me a break, Seth Roberts. Like, for real, give me a break. Um, and I, I wouldn't rule out the Colts. Top 10 in cap room, you know, $21 million uh, of cap space. They have, obviously, they have Dante Moncrief and Philip Dorsett and Kamar Aiken behind um, T.Y. T.Y. Hilton. And as, as much as as much as much I like Moncrief and a lot of people like Moncrief, you know, at some point it's put up or shut up time for, for him. And yes. he's in a contract year, and I think they definitely want to put a little pressure on him. This could be it. You know, it would definitely bring down his Moncrief's fantasy stock, fantasy stock, but it would be a really good signing uh, for the Colts uh, in a, terms of a, a passing game that could take the next step this year. That would be kind of an interesting final piece for sure. I, Andrew Luck would love a guy like Decker uh, in that wide receiving core. We got to keep an eye on Andrew Luck though, too, because he's coming off of surgery, and just keep that in mind in terms of. Project. Yeah, it has not thrown yet this offseason. Yeah, that's kind of a red flag for me. I don't know. I might be staying away from Andrew Luck this year, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's, it's too bad because that offense is pretty 
tantalizing otherwise. I mean, it always is. But, yeah, Lux injuries have been have piled up, especially that shoulder. Uh, only other team I'd mentioned is Carolina at 17, 17th most cap space with $14.5 million. Um, I do think that's the type of receiver that they need uh, and could be another piece of evolving that offense. But that's not going to happen. That's just something I'd wish would happen. <laughs> yeah. Dream. A guy can dream. A, yeah. hipster, a hipster can dream. A hipster can dream, and I don't want to see him in Buffalo. Uh, I don't want to. I didn't really want to see Macklin in Buffalo either, though. I thought that made more sense. Um, I don't think Decker makes. I mean, they they need they need bodies at receiver bad, um, but I, I just not like selfishly not interested in seeing that. Yeah, no, I would just not want anything to do with Decker if he went to Buffalo, even though we just said all that stuff that we said. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, let's let's hit some quick uh, let's hit some quick news bites here. Um, you put LOL at the end of this next one. So why don't you talk about, talk yeah. about your feelings on this? So a report came out the other day that apparently the Eagles, uh, running back coach said that the team wants to get LeGarrette Blunt more involved in the passing game, like on screens and stuff like that, because he's such a big guy and defenses would be super scared of him. Uh, one, you know, once he gets his legs turning, he's basically a tank and he's unstoppable. But I put LOL at the end of that because, LeGarrette Blunt through his career has never been a pass catcher. Uh, last year in New England, he had, in 16 games, he had eight targets the entire season. The year before that, he had seven targets. The year before that in Pittsburgh, he had 12 targets. Uh, I mean, this dude is just... You know that a team like New England uses players to their strength. And so if... I feel like if Blunt had some kind of ability in something to offer in the passing game, the Patriots would have been the team to like use him in that fashion. Um, I don't think that's why the Eagles brought him in. They have Darren Sproles. They have Danelle Pumphrey. They have Wendell Smallwood back there who can catch. Uh, so why bring in a big banger guy who can be a short yardage plow and try to get him involved in the passing game? Like, no, he's just going to get tackled behind the line of scrimmage every time. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't expect this to be something that like actually happens. Um, you know, I, this is this is just something that I think like coaches say because I mean, Darren Sproles, like you said, I mean, of all those players, is a totally established pass catcher. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I don't I don't expect Blunt to suddenly have. But but maybe he has because he was in such a specialized role in New England. I guess maybe I could see, see where he catches like twenty passes. But you know, big 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 freaking deal to me. Like that doesn't matter that much. Yeah, that'd be a career high. His career high right now is fifteen, uh, and that was in two thousand eleven in Tampa Bay. So uh, I just yeah, don't don't, I expect, don't don't expect it. I don't see it. I mean, if it did happen, his fantasy value would go through the roof. But I don't think that's going to happen. True. Uh, next news item. This is a running back that's really interesting to me. Somebody asked me uh, recently on a tw Twitter Q and A session. Uh, you know who my top sleeper is this year, and I, I think people would expect me to go with a wide receiver, but I went with Bills running back Jonathan Williams, hmm. uh, and he's next here on the news item specifically because I wanted to obviously get for one. You know, people ask you for sleepers, and I'm not gonna be like Willie Sneed is my sleeper. Like, give me a yeah. break. <laughs> if if a, if a guy's going in the top 100 picks, like I don't really want to like call him a sleeper. You know, I want to go with somebody that's like actually off the radar. And I think Williams is is pretty much with that, that player right now. However, speaking at minicamp, Coach Sean McDermott told. Uh, uh, told the media Joe Bas Basiglia of I don't know uh, uh, he he was the one who reported this uh, stated that 
McDermott said that that second-year running back Jonathan Williams, his development will be key to our success moving forward and that they're invested in him. Uh, I I, I like to hear that because right now the Bills have a big opening behind LaShawn McCoy now that Mike Gillisley's old number two job has become vacant. Uh, he's, He's gone to New England. And Williams said recently in the Buffalo News that he recognizes the opportunities uh, that Gillisley exit has created, and he's trying to take it one day at a time and keep getting better. Um, look, that not only is I th- not only do I think Buffalo's running back number two job is one of the best backup gigs in the NFL because the Buffalo Bills are a run heavy team. They don't have, obviously we just talked about they don't have a lot of pass catching weapons. They have a mobile quarterback. Uh, this is one of the best environments for running success. Uh, and LaShawn McCoy is definitely known to get dinged up here and there. Uh, he was yep. dinged up last year, which obviously brought uh, Gillisley into into prominence. But also Gillisley had s- some standalone value as a red zone threat, as a player with big play potential. And Jonathan Williams, people might not know about him. He was a fourth-round pick out of Arkansas or fifth round pick out of Arkansas, excuse me, but he was a, a really talented running back that got injured his last year of college before he came out. Uh, but a lot of people really liked him. 220 pounds, powerful runner, has some athleticism. So I think this is somebody that is clearly should be on preseason watch lists uh, and training camp news watch lists because, like, in mock drafts that I've done and even some MFL 10s, like, I get into the 13th, 14th round range and, like, Williams is my pick every single time. Yeah, he's like one of the legit, most legit handcuff guys in this year's redraft leagues, I would say. Like, if you draft Shady McCoy in the first, second round, and you're kind of struggling for a guy later, get yourself Jonathan Williams. I know there's things out there about don't be, don't handcuff, but sometimes it's a good idea too when you, when you have a situation like this. See, and I, I yeah, I'm one of those people that is like hardcore anti-handcuff i've written about it in the last two off seasons for nfl.com and maybe i'll revisit it last this year too but uh i just think it's kind of a a a wasted strategy and it's more of a floor pick than an upside pick but if i was wanting that upside even if i didn't draft Lashawn mccoy which you know i i don't i would still target williams in the late rounds because i mentioned not only does he have that standalone value which i do think differentiates him from traditional handcuffs yeah uh he also like if i don't have mccoy on my team and then mccoy go goes down I get the upside play like because I just got an extra starting running back as opposed to the LaShawn McCoy owner who loses who loses McCoy and then just basically gets in a lesser fill-in version with Williams. I think the more upside move is to be the team that doesn't draft McCoy and still draft Williams in the late round. So um, but this does bring us to the next news item, which is uh, that the Bills do say that basically uh, Mike Tolbert is creeping around there. You know, he's the he's a fullback and short yardage specialist for uh the bills and he's the biggest threat to the number two job because tolbert did sign from carolina this offseason and they they even said when they signed him that they expected him to play more running back there with uh with the bills yeah i mean i think this is a case where he's just gonna be like a goal line vulture and it's gonna frustrate anyone who owns shady mccoy like i don't see tolbert really being a number two running back like if McCoy goes down I think Jonathan that's Jonathan Williams's job and then he'd split time with Tolbert I don't see Tolbert having like a full-time 15 to 20 carry type gig uh the other interesting part here is back in March just looking at the Roto World like news blurb history on Tolbert in March it said 
the headline was Mike Tolbert, not a lock for final roster. And then the next headline is Mike Tolbert could be the Bills' number two runner. So, right, yeah. ESPN Mike, ESPN's Mike Rodak believes that Mike Tolbert is going to emerge as the Bills' number two running back. And right. so, maybe that maybe that does happen, but you know, a 31-year-old Mike Tolbert, who's mostly been a fullback his entire career, like if that's the only thing standing between Jonathan Williams and that number two role, I, I like Williams' odds there if he continues to grab, like, grow, go after that opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And I think they're both getting more work in camp right now because McCoy, I think, is sidelined. Um, oh, that would not be a shock. Right. It's not a shock, but it also makes for juicy news headlines like former fullback is now a number two runner. Like, that's not real realistic. I mean, McCoy is just injured, so the backup guys are getting more reps with the first team. That's how I interpret it, at least. Right on. Uh, well... The next piece of news uh, has to do with uh, Washington's wide receiver core, uh, and it's Jamison Crowder. He is playing as the number two wide receiver. He is playing outside in two wide receiver sets opposite Terrell Pryor, um, and he will move. Of course, like when they go to three wide, which which they'll do plenty, Washington does do that in a, a fairly decent amount. He'll obviously play the slot where he played over 70% of his snaps last, uh, last year, mm-hmm. but this is still what this shows me is that Crowder is very much entrenched as a top three option in the passing game with with Terrell Pryor and Jordan Reed when he's healthy, um, and is obviously a, they view him as a high as a high end starting number starting number two receiver essentially, and I think this is a really good report for his outlook in uh, in 2017. Yeah, dude, uh, the Crowder hype has been building all off season. I mean, I feel like his ADP is just creeping up and up and up as the summer goes on. So. He's going to be one of those guys you might have to overpay for to get. Right now, he's wide receiver 31, uh, mm-hmm. according to Fantasy Pros ADP, which is ahead of Martavis Bryant, Stephon Diggs, Willie Sneed, guys like that. So, hmm. uh, yeah, I think I would. I think I would take all three of those guys over Crowder, but same, that's same. that more just has to do with how much I like uh all three of those guys and and i think they have better ceilings than crowder but i think crowder is going to be a player that you can put in your lineup every week and have a pretty good feeling about what he's going to give you um i think he could give you a nice reception floor in in ppr like if he catches 90 passes to me like that that will will not be a shock i think he's the most consistent short area receiver that they have on that team right now and i say that only because jordan reed obviously is often on the field with injuries and you yeah. know Terrell Pryor is more more of a vertical receiver, and he, and he de- Terrell Pryor kills it on slant routes, and and that's going to be a big part of what they do there too. But to me, Crowder is like a he's the perfect slot receiver. He scores out in reception perception. I, I might have mentioned this on the show, but he scores out so similarly to Golden Tate, and we've seen Tate be yeah. an inside outside receiver with the lines like and catch ninety passes in his sleep. So yeah. I, I think Crowder can easily be that player. So I think his ADP right now is fair. I do I do like those three, those three other guys more, but that doesn't have all that much to do with, with Crowder himself. Yeah, I, I mean, he could potentially be like a borderline wide receiver too at the end of the season if all this plays out. So Right. Well, uh, before we get to the next piece of Washington uh, receiver news, Let's talk about uh, thir- our third sponsor of the show today. It's Reality Sports Online. You guys know that we have been talking about them 
uh, for a while. It's pretty much the best fantasy sports platform if you want to get the feeling like you're an actual NFL general manager. You get to build and create teams and really feel like you're front by like an actual front office personnel. And it makes a lot of sense because uh, Reality Sports Online is owned and operated, created by former NFL front office personnel. They have a revolutionary free agency auction room uh, where owners can compete to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. You can play with up to 32 teams. 32 teams, that's ridiculous. Some of you weenies are still playing in 8 and 10 team leagues. Give me a break. Uh, it has a ton of other cool features in addition to that free agency. Uh, it has a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tagged, injured reserves, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and so much more. You can test your general manager skills for free today with a 14-day free trial at realitysportsonline.com. If you like what you see, use the promo code HIPSTERS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Very, very realistic. I must yeah, super realistic. You know what else is realistic? Uh, maybe this report that Josh Doxton is practicing with the second team in minicamp, maybe that is telling people to be realistic and mindful of such things when they're projecting his, uh, his 2017 outlook. Ooh, saucy. I mean, why is it because he's not fully recovered? So he's not going full speed. Like why, why would he be with second team here? Yeah. So he's behind Ryan Grant, uh, who's basically a nobody. He's working with the ones in the flanker receiver role. So I think, I think on a three wide receiver set that in 11 personnel, they would have Josh Doxon as an X receiver, Jamison Crowder in the slot, obviously Jordan Reed at the wide spot, the tight end, uh, or an H-back role. And then that flanker receiver, which Pierre Garçon formerly operated in, uh, that I guess Ryan Grant is there right now, but I think ideally they'd like Josh Doxon to play um, that role. Yeah, yeah so he, hasn't, he hasn't moved up the depth chart yet, and I think that could be mostly due to the fact that, again, he doesn't have much experience. Uh, he, I think he had two catches last year. You know, we talk all the time about Laquan Treadwell, uh, but, of course, Doxon had a big injury concerns you know he was hampered by an achilles all off season and then couldn't get over it and was finally placed on injured reserve uh and it, yeah and only ended the season with played in two games and had two catches so i think that's probably the the big reason why you know maybe they're just bringing him along slowly yeah trying to get the competition level up and i mean we mentioned ryan grant who he played in 16 games but he only had 19 targets last year because he was like the fourth guy in the depth chart but if Dotson does slide up into that garçon role uh, that's extremely valuable because the top three wideouts, Deshaun Jackson, Jameson Crowder, and Pierre Garçon had 199 and 114 targets respectively. So if he slides up into that Garçon role, 100 targets is like basically a lock. Yeah, uh, CSN Mid-Atlantic's Rich Tandler actually projected 100 targets for Josh Doxson in 2017. And and some to be fair to Doxson, like some of the reports – uh, out of Redskins offseason programs were positive for him. Again, CSN Mid-Atlantic's JP Finlay uh, reports that uh, 2016 first-round pick Josh Doxson has looked quick and healthy this offseason. Jay Gruden said Doxson will be a full go for OTAs, and he has been impressive. Uh, so uh, there's some reason to be optimistic about Doxson. And like you mentioned, a lot of opportunity in the Washington passing game. You know, that, like I said, that flanker position is wide open. And not to mention, like, I'm excited. I think Terrell Pryor has a really good ceiling 
in Washington this year, but he also has a pretty scary floor because they're not invested in him at, like at all. Uh, they have a they have him on a one year deal. If he doesn't you know take off running, then we could easily see Josh Doxson become the favored son. Like he was a first round pick. They are invested in in making him succeed. So. Doxton is a player that like I'm probably not drafting right now, yeah. but I definitely want to monitor for the rest of the offseason. Yeah, he could be one of those under-the-radar guys you can get late in drafts and ends up paying off big time, you know? Yeah, A lot no of opportunity. Doubt. A lot of opportunity, like you said, so. All yeah, right. I'm, uh, I don't know. I liked, I liked Doxton. What did you think of Doxton coming out? Because I really, really, I really, really liked him. Uh, I liked him. I know he's, he was definitely one of your, was, wait, was Treadwell or Doxon your top guy last year? Uh, I think it was like close. I think I probably, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think I preferred Treadwell. So like, I'm not, I'm not trying to hide that. Uh, like he was definitely a, a player that I was really excited about. And, you know, both of their reception perceptions were really good. Although Josh Doxon's was, was slightly better. Uh, so he's, and especially like his contested catch rate, at eighty five percent, it w- at the time it was the best. Obviously, Chris Godwin had a better one this year. But you, if you could even just watch the the highlight reel of Josh Doxson, you see him go up and pluck balls out of the air and just be dominant at the catch point. So yeah, I wasn't um, uh, I wasn't in, as involved in draft Twitter last season as I was this season, so I don't really have any strong Doxson takes. Well, I, he's definitely he's definitely a talented player. So if we get him if we get him on the field uh, consistently. Uh, that would be great. Boom. Uh, next piece of news item, uh, New Jersey Advanced Media's Connor Hughes pegged Austin Safarian Jenkins as the most impressive player on the field at Jets OTAs. No, whatever, because um, he's the only player they have left. <laughs> well, you know, to be fair, uh, yeah, that's true. They definitely don't have a lot of people to impress them very much. Like, yo, um, when when ASJ was in Tampa Bay when he was actually, like, playing a lot, he, I mean, he's a, he, he's a monster on the field. He's gigantic mm-hmm. and he like glides around and he's smooth with his footwork and he can just dominate, uh, mismatches cause he's such a big dude. But I mean, his, his, the reputation he's built for himself over the last two years, it's just hard for me to believe that he's serious. Why? I mean, why would you want to be serious on this terrible Jets team anyway? True. But uh, this is definitely it's definitely a situation to, to monitor because the we always talk about the drumbeat at least I do and it's something I always try to bring into into discussions here the drumbeat has kind of been building for ASJ all offseason uh, in May there was a report that you know he had dropped 25 pounds this offseason he's down, back down to like 260 which he played at in college he ballooned up to like 280 last season when he was released by the Bucks and then caught on with the Jets uh and obviously you know yeah that's a september dui um they all there's also a really great article in espn that you you everybody should check out talking to, to asj about his drinking problem he said that he's been clean and sober for 129 days um and like the the drinking thing was something that like a lot of people knew was a big problem for him even back in college but apparently he's quit drinking uh he's attended rehab four times a week so he's serious about it also rich samini doubled down on connor hughes's praise and said that he liked what he's seen at asj so that that drumbeat is is starting to build a little bit we've got a long way to go to see if it continues but 
uh, the Jets could really lean on tight ends more than they have the last few years. Like, I know a lot of people will be quick to say, you know, Jets tight ends had like less than 30 targets last year, but they have a new offensive coordinator. Chan Gailey is gone, who, who's notorious for never using tight ends. And new right. offensive coordinator John Morton uh, comes over from that Saints passing game, which, of course, has had a lot of success with, with tight ends. <clears throat> yeah, we talked about Morton when we talked about Quincy and Nunwa. He Morton is the was the Saints wide receivers coach. So he's coming in to the, run the Jets' offense now. And, I mean, maybe there's a chance. Like, you know, in the late rounds, you you take ASJ and he comes through because the Jets will probably be losing every single game and they'll be passing a lot. They don't have a ton of other guys to throw to. And they got some young quarterbacks who might be using tight end as security blanket. You never know. But I just think the upside is limited because I don't think the Jets' offense is going to be very good. Yeah, that that's fair. Uh, he it's also important to note that he'll begin the season with a two game suspension pl- from pleading guilty to that September DUI last uh, year. Yeah, so that's important to note. But I just like he's he's a guy that in MFL tens and best ball leagues right now, I'm really comfortable taking you know outside of the 15th round. Um, we're actually in an MFL ten right now, and I believe I did take him as my third tight end there because he has a pretty easy oh he has a pretty easy path to targets considering everybody yeah. else there is completely like a complete zero two uh so yeah definitely somebody that i'm like him and jonathan williams are two of my my, kind of my favorite you know super late round sleepers right now wow Um, there you go you heard it here first jonathan williams and asj hey come on give us some credit here people it's june and we're talking about super super under the radar names like asj and jonathan williams both guys who have really good college profiles so um certainly players to keep in mind Last report that we're going to talk or one of the last reports that we're going to talk about focuses on the Eagles. Uh, and it, it has a, a great little bit of contradiction uh, here. And this this kind of just goes to show you like we talked, we had a great question on our last mailbag episode or one of the one of the more recent ones uh, from our buddy Chris Allen, who talked about how do you, you know, interpret and uh, talk to beat reporters. And actually, I think that would be a, a really good episode for us to do at some point, And maybe we'll talk about that uh at another at another point but because this is a good reason why because it just shows that sometimes things can be contradictory so uh nj.com's elliot shores parks has said that alshon jeffrey wasn't overly impressive uh in jet or in eagles otas uh when he was asked if jeffrey has stood out in practice shores parks apparently replied eh so that was on twitter it should be noted that that old elliot has a has this is not his first odd let's just put it that way odd quote about uh about eagles players before um however talk about the contradiction eagles coach doug peterson listed alshon jeffrey among the players who stood out at otas so uh, and apparently the philly voices uh jimmy kemsky agreed writing jeffrey has made difficult catches look easy uh so there you go. A little bit of contradiction there, but uh, I just kind of wanted to include this because not only does it show that, you know, you got to be careful about who you're following or what you're taking in and, and be mindful that these contradictions are going to happen. Uh, but also it's a good, it's a good place to talk about Jeffrey, who I still don't know if I have a really good feeling on, on what I'm projecting for Alshon Jeffrey in 2017. What are you thinking? I think if he can stay healthy, he'll be like a low end wide receiver one. Uh, we've talked, I just kind of, I don't know. There's something about what the Eagles are doing that I'm really into. I think they're, a, I've said this before. I think they're a good sleeper team in terms of like real NFL 
like the playoffs and stuff this year. Um, with another year of Carson Wentz experience under his belt, he's matured a little bit. He's kind of coming into his own. They picked up Torrey Smith as a deep threat. Uh, and I think they have a lot of pieces there, and Jeffrey being the most key piece in that offense uh, for Wentz to really succeed this year and, and you know, take a step forward. Uh, I like Jeffrey. If he can stay healthy, man, he's one of the best wide receivers out there. It's just the health thing to me that that he's struggled with that makes me weary. He's going uh, right. wide receiver 13 right now, 30th overall, according to Fantasy Pros. So that's like he's like a third-round wide receiver. Um, let me ask you this. Who, yeah. would you, who would you rather have, Brandon Cooks or Alshon Jeffrey? Uh, Jeffrey, but yeah, I think Cooks is way overpriced in that range. DeAndre Hopkins or Alshon Jeffrey? That's a tough question because uh, yeah. I don't really like I don't really like Hopkins at at that price range. Um, uh, I'm probably just going to go with Hopkins because I'm more convinced that he could push 150 targets. I mean, he did it last year, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Hopkins, but I don't love it. Amari Cooper or Alshon Jeffrey? That's a tough one too. Um, I'm going to say Cooper because I because I think and this is my problem with Jeffrey that even if I talk in, myself into an optimistic situation, which I can do, uh, I think that buying buying him at wide receiver thirteen is buying him at his absolute ceiling. Right. Whereas I think Cooper, if Crabtree were to get hurt uh, or if he just this is finally the year, which I, I'm not expecting it to be, or this is finally the year he just completely usurps the number one receiver role for Michael Crabtree. I don't think that is buying Cooper at his ceiling. Uh, so gotcha. that's my, that's my problem with Jeffrey. Um, I think uh, so. I, that, that, that would be my answer there. So according to fantasy pros, ADP, all three of those guys are being drafted before Jeffrey right now in order. So Cooper at 10 Hopkins at 11 cooks at 12 and then Jeffrey at 13. And I think, I think touchdown upside alone, Jeffrey beats all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in the red zone, he's just a force that nobody, you know, he, he'll just, he'll just go up and get the ball over and the best defenders on the field. And I think, uh, when they get close to the end zone, Wentz is just going to lock in on Jeffrey. And I think for those reasons alone, I take him above those other three guys. I think he's a legit, like high end wide receiver two at worst. It's just a matter if he can stay healthy. Yeah, the injuries are one thing which like, you know, at some point I I try not to be too wrapped up in in injuries and all that, but it, at some point obviously like he has a history. Yeah. Um I can definitely talk myself into this into the story like I said where he becomes the the dominant number 1 receiver there. I love Jeffrey as a player. I think he's obviously a really great fit with fit with Carson Wentz. I've talked about this before, but Wentz was one of the top 10 quarterbacks at throwing into tight coverage via our next gen stats tracking at nfl.com. Um and that is Jeffrey's specialty, winning balls in contested situations and 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 being a player who can win the ball in tight traffic. Um so I think they're a great fit together. Uh, and I do think like, I don't think the Eagles want to be super conservative. They, they played on some conservative scripts last year. Uh, but that was mostly due to, and they don't have like a traditional running game. I mean, they have LeGarrette Blunt who I, I like, but he's not, you know, a foundation back. Um, they have a bunch of scat backs behind him. So I don't think they want to be like a 55% running team. I think they probably will be more 55% passing. So I, I'm not too worried about the volume there, but the Eagles offense could be, a still a work in progress. You know, ESPN Eagles reporter Tim McManus said that Carson Wentz struggled with bouts of inaccuracy during OTAs, which is really not what you want to hear. 
Um, you want to hear like a second year quarterback is tearing it up in OTAs. But if yeah. we remember late in 2016, Wentz also struggled with his mechanics and had some issues uh, as the season went along. So, uh, and I think it could just be, you know, some, some of the mechanical adjustments that he's continuing to need to make, like I mentioned, but also like he's working with total new guys. Smith is new. Jeffrey is new. Um, so it could just be some communication that needs to pick up, but I think it's like I said, so I can tuck myself into the low end and high end of, of Jeffrey's range of outcomes, but even on the high end, I think where he's going right now in drafts is right around a ceiling. Okay. Good, good, good enough for me. Yeah. It's a good, he's a good talking player point that I, I don't think enough people are like debating right now, but I think there's a good debate to have with him. Uh, do you want to hit this last news item before we uh, take a break and go to music and beer? Yeah. I just kind of put this on here as a joke. I saw a blurb that said, Apparently, Mark Ingram was quoted saying he's not afraid of competition uh, regarding Adrian Peterson in a Saints backfield. So, like, wh- what did they expect him to say? Uh, yeah, I'm afraid of Adrian Peterson taking my job. Like, no, bro, you're a professional athlete. You're going to compete for as many reps as you can get, and you're not going to admit that you're afraid that they drafted uh, one of the – or not drafted, but added one of the all-time great running backs to compete with you. So, I mean, sorry, Mark Ingram. I also think – that people are hating on Mark Ingram too much because he's the only running back there right now who has been on this Saints roster for years and years, and he knows the offense, and he knows Drew Brees inside and out, uh, which I think sometimes people overlook when trying to predict uh, projections for a guy like Adrian Peterson who's completely new in this offense, and he has to build chemistry with Drew Brees, and I think just Mark Ingram has an upper hand because he knows the offense so well, and uh, I don't know what to make of this backfield, and I don't think anyone does, but that's my take. Yeah, it was it was definitely like, uh, okay, cute, yeah, great, Mark. Good good to know you're not afraid. Good to yes. know you're not shaking in your boots. Yes. Uh, but if you were shaking in boots, you should get the Marciante and Company boots. Uh, make right. sure you follow them on Twitter and check out their website. And right. with that, we are going to take a little break. Uh, which is weird that like, I don't know what we're going to do during this break uh, during, uh, you know, now that we're not together, like normally we high five and, you know, eat snacks. But I guess uh, during this break, we're going to, we're going to take a little break and come back and uh, we'll do music and beer on the other side. All righty. All right, everybody. We want to remind you about the sponsor of today's show. It's the Duchamp's Grooming Company. Their vintage-inspired, handmade grooming products for the modern-day man are incredible. They have a fantastic beard oil and beard balm to get your facial hair looking just right. They also have a hair wax to make you look stylish as, as all get out, or even a little bit of lip balm there that's scented very nice. Now, for the ladies out there, if you still want to grab some products from them, which we encourage you to do so, they have plenty of kits to get your loved ones a present. All these handmade products are awesome. I use them every day. I have them in my pocket right now. They even have a signature scent. Um, You can find all this stuff at the online shop at www.duchampsgroming.co. That's duchampsgrooming.co. They have an online shop and follow them on Instagram, duchampsgroomingco, and on Twitter, at Duchamps Groom Co. Find them, follow them, retweet them, and buy their stuff. All right, let's get back to the show. All right. All right, and we are back. We're going to jump in here with our music and beer picks of the week. But franchise, 
Why don't you tell them who this segment is sponsored by? This segment is brought to you guys, as always, by Flag and Anthem. It's a men's clothing line who makes clothes for guys who are too busy enjoying life to obsess about micro trends, and they make classics that are always cool. Right now, you can't see me, but I'm wearing a nice uh, light button-up, short-sleeve button-up for summertime. It's getting hotter out there. I know I've, everyone I've been hearing on the, on the East Coast, Harmon, it's like really hot out there right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bro. It's 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 hot. It's it summertime. Is hot. Summer is here. So go to flagandanthem.com. Go to their shop. Pick out some short sleeve shirts, some shorts, some jeans, whatever you need to update your closet for the summer months. Enter code FANTASYHIPSTERS when you check out. If it's your first order and you enter that code FANTASYHIPSTERS, you get 25% off. Go follow Flag and Anthem CO on Twitter and Instagram. They always do random sales on their socials so keep an eye out for those and uh go get your some go, go get yourself some summer clothes at a discount on the fantasy hipsters yeah my uh my nephew by the way we we're talking about him earlier he uh when i when i walked downstairs one day he goes uncle matt always has the best clothes and i was like bro it's because i'm wearing flag and anthem so look at that again the best yeah, there you go the best the best he, he, as told by nine-year-olds again. So, uh, you know, that's what you're looking for. There you go. All right, let's get into the music, huh? Yeah, talk about some tunes, pal. All right, this band came on my radar because they opened some shows for one of my favorite other bands, My Morning Jacket, who I'm sure you guys have heard of. Uh, but this band, I'm pretty sure it's just one guy. The guy whose project it is, his name is Eric D. Johnson, but the band is called Fruit Bats. So fruit, like bats, fruit, fruit bats. I want that to come out on audio the correct way. Uh, it is folk indie alternative country style. Little little rock, little light rock for you with acoustic guitars and Ooh, some okay. country twangs to it. Uh, influence. I'm, I'm into this. His 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 major influences come from 70s AM radio, including uh, the Grateful Dead, which I've been all over lately. Uh, one writer described the band's fourth album as uh, it revels in early 70s soul bliss and other alt-country permutations. So you got uh, icons influencing, including Neil Young, Fleetwood Mac, Three Dog Night. Uh, they're a cool band. I'm pretty sure they just put a record out in late last year. It's called Absolute Loser. It came up on my one of my Spotify like preloaded playlists. And uh, I was like, oh, man, Fruit Bats, I've heard they opened some shows for My Morning Jacket. I'm going to check it out. And I loved everything I heard. It's definitely very, like, woodsy, mountain man-type folk rock. So I know, Harmon, that's right up your alley. So go Oh, check dude, that's that's literally right up my alley. The, the, everything you're saying there, I'm about everything. The most popular song on Spotify is called Humbug Mountain Song. So Ooh, there you I go. Yeah, dude, check out their album. It's It's just, you know, easy listening. The songs aren't too long. Um, now I'm regretting not seeing them open for my morning jacket because I'm into it. Fruit Bats, check it out. I'll add some songs to the Fantasy Hipster Spotify Picks playlist. I dig it. Okay, well, I will definitely be checking them out. And while I'm doing it, I'll probably be drinking my beer pick of the week. So you guys know right now I'm in North Carolina, down here at Emerald Isle. I will be in Troutman and Charlotte later this week. Uh, and so I'm obviously taking in some local beers here. Uh, and the one beer that I got this week that I really like, one of the many, uh, is by the um, Appalachian Mountain Brewery Company. Uh, they're based out of Boone, North Carolina. 
Uh, we're really talking like North Carolina hipster stuff here. Uh, and the one beer I got was their Spot Spotty Odie or Spody Odie, I guess. It's an American style pale ale. It's really good. Comes in a big pint can. Um, it's it's pretty like a, it's just a classic American pale ale, you know. But it's good to be sitting like I was sitting down at the beach, crushing some there. Sitting out on the back deck here, at Dad, crushing some there, you know. So it's not it's not like too heavy of a beer, like big IPA or anything like that. Four point five five point four percent, excuse me, and though that's pretty easy drinkable, you know, you can have three and still be in good uh, party mode. So I, I'm all about it. Really enjoying it. Uh, North Carolina's got some great beers, man. And I know we talk about this all the time. Like everybody, everybody thinks their beer is the best beers or whatever, um, and it, that is totally true. However, uh, North Carolina's got a great beer scene. Looking forward to digging into a ton this weekend when i am in charlotte so i will have even more picks for you guys next week but right now uh the american style pale ale the spody Odie uh from appalachian mountain brewery that is the the one i'm highlighting this week really enjoy it awesome dude i am super jealous that you're over there on the east coast tasting the fruits of life the fruits of life my friend <sighs> uh it is it is good to be tasting them uh but for now <laughs> Let's get out of here because uh, I got to go have some like major uh, dinner with my dad here. Uh, it's our la- it's my last night here. So uh, we got to go do some dad stuff. Dude, get get to it, man. All right, bro. Well, uh, we will be back in your ears on Friday with a mail satchel special, of course, as always. So if you have questions to, to get to at some point, you can email them fantasyhipsters at gmail.com or tweet us at fantasy hipsters franchise you got anything you want to plug before we get out of here i'm good to go man i'm all set all right well in that case hipsters out hipsters out hey. all right i'm gonna i've started recording so you're you're officially on goose egg watch now <laughs> okay. Gonna put up some zeros, bro. <laughs> a stupid bit. Okay. Uh you wanna you wanna bring us in still or do you want me to bring us in? I'll bring us in. Alright then. Well then if it's on you, baby boy.